Hello, and welcome to another Balm and Gilead Flying Solo video podcast episode. Boom. Did it. All right, so I actually recorded two of these um, months ago, shortly after I released my first video. And then I accidentally deleted them somehow. I'm not really sure what I did. Um, I did the same thing that I've always done, but my technology gave out on me and it was no good. So apologies for the length in between the last flying solo and this flying solo. The good news is I have been releasing my regular podcast bi-weekly ever since I released the last uh, flying solo. So I haven't needed one. Um, but coming up, I've got a three-week gap in between two episodes. This is mostly for timing because I'm going to be out of town um, coming up pretty soon. And so I'm going to have three weeks in between episodes. So this one, which you're watching now, which I recorded a little bit ago, um, will release at the two-week mark. And then I'll have another episode that should come out the very next week. So I'm releasing this one. Uh, this should come out after the Jars of Clay review. And the next one will be a song versus song. I haven't done one of those in a, in a hot second. So I've got a song versus song coming up. Then we'll do uh, the, I'm sure it's the long awaited review of the album Into the Lantern Waste. And F&H from Not the Bee is coming back on to help us with that. So we're pretty excited. Um, I think I think Spencer Parsons might be coming on for the song versus song. So um, we've kind of developed this pseudo rotating third guy host, which, by the way, um, Justin found a house. Praise the Lord. <sighs> anyway, um, unfortunately, he's not going to be coming on as a weekly, bi-weekly, um, third co-host any longer. His job has made that, his job and his family and all of his life has made it to where he can't commit to that anymore. Maybe he'll be back on every once in a while, which we uh, will gladly have him back on as often as he wants to come back, but he is stepping away for the time being. Uh, but thank you for your prayers for him and, um, uh, he appreciates them, and he's very glad that he has a house. So, uh, without any further ado, let me get into the topic for this episode. Um, <clears throat> so, I've been doing a lot of thinking about, uh, really about the Trinity and how difficult the Trinity is. Uh, we were never meant to fully understand the Trinity, but we can understand it more and more as we get to know God. Uh, that's, I think, one of the clearest examples of things we can we can learn more and more. There's information in the Bible that we can glean about the Trinity that as we learn uh, more about God and as we get to know God more, we can uh, apply uh, in our worship. So I wanted to kind of tell this little story. So there's this, there's this man... Um, shortly after, like around the time of World War II. Um, his name was Clive. Some of you, I said Clive, and you're like, I know where he's going with this. And you probably do. Um, Clive, Clive Lewis. He uh, he had a bunch of friends, probably drank a bunch of beer, 
He was a nice guy. Wrote some books. Um, you've probably heard of at least one of his books. Um, uh, have you ever heard of of this book? It's called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, you've heard of that one. Clive. Clive Lewis. Clive Staples Lewis. C.S. Lewis. That's the guy I'm talking about. But no one called him Clive or Clive Staples or even C.S. That was C.S. was his kind of professional name. Clive was his given name. I'm sure Staples was probably a family name. I don't know. I haven't done the research. But his friends called him Jack. Uh, apparently, he was named after the dog, similar to Indiana Jones. I don't know if that was a reference. Uh, I don't know if Indiana Jones was a reference to C.S. Lewis. Probably not. But it's kind of funny that it's the same story. Jack was his dog, or Jackie, I think was his dog that he loved as a child. The dog died, and he said, I want to be known as Jackie from now on. They're like, we're not going to call you Jackie, but how about Jack? He's like, fine, that'll work. Jack Lewis, that's how all of his friends knew him. If he was sitting in the pub with his uh, with his good friend, J.R.R. Tolkien, and someone came up to him and said, Clive, my good old friend, how are you doing? Anyone that knows Mr. Lewis would have said, he doesn't know Mr. Lewis. If he knew Mr. Lewis, he'd call him Jack. The more you get to know Mr. Lewis, the more you know that his name, Clive, is not how everyone knows him. So if someone were to come up to him and say Mr. Lewis or C.S. or Clive, we could deduce that they either knew of him, that they knew him professionally, um, or that they were only faking knowing him. Uh, so you can probably see where I'm going with this. I, I hope you do, because I, I don't mean to be veiled. So the more that people get to know Jack Lewis, the more they know how to interact with Jack Lewis, the more they know what Jack Lewis prefers uh, to go by. They, they know what, uh, you know, how he is known by his close friends. And I say this, and if you know anyone with a nickname, uh, then you probably have the same thing. My oldest, uh, her name is Suzu. Uh, her name is Susan, but her kind of her nickname is Zuzu. But it's one of those like really only my close friends really call me Zuzu. Um, those that have known me the longest call me Zuzu. Everyone else calls her Susan, and uh, and she's fine with that. She introduces herself as Susan. Um, <clears throat> and so it's 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 really interesting. Uh, I have another daughter, Gwendolyn, but we call her Wendy and everyone calls her Wendy. She introduces herself as Wendy. If anyone called her Gwendolyn it'd be like, no, you don't really know. You don't really know Wendy, do you? Um, so it's, you know, that's, that's a common thing with nicknames in, in any, with anyone, even if you don't have a nickname, the more that people know you, the more they know your likes and your dislikes, the more they know, uh, what, kind of movies you would want to go see or restaurants you'd want to eat at. Uh, they, they know, uh, you know, they, they know you. And so the more that we get to know God, the more we understand what he prefers, the more we understand how he, um, who he is and how he interacts and how he uh, relates to us. And, um, and so with the Trinity especially, the more that we can understand the Trinity uh, as, as good as we can, the, the more deeply we can interact with God. And I'm going to talk about prayer specifically for a second. 
uh, I could talk about just about anything, any attribute of God, uh, any aspect of God, and any anything. But I think with Trinity and the and prayer, it's a, I have a, a clear example that I, I think makes a lot of sense, and that is that when we pray, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, we we are praying to the triune God every time. Um, does this mean that we can't pray to the Son or to the Spirit? It doesn't. It doesn't mean that. And, and there are ways to pray to the Son and to the Spirit that are appropriate. But generally speaking, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and in the power of the Spirit. And we always pray in the name of the Son and in the power of the Spirit. And um, so I, I want to kind of not necessarily dive deep into scripture on this, but I do have some overviews, some, some passages that are going to be very familiar. Uh, when Jesus taught us to pray, uh, he said, pray like this, our father who art in heaven. And so that's how Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us to pray to the father. When we see Jesus praying, he's always praying to the father. He's not praying to the spirit. Uh, he's not praying to himself, but he is praying to the father. Um, so that is how, that was his example. And that was his, uh, his teaching. He, he taught us through example. He also taught us through word. We pray to the father. Uh, he also said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. And this was, uh, this is how we know, this is why we say in Jesus name, amen, which we may not think about it. It may become so natural to, uh, to in the Christianese that we pray in Jesus name, amen. Even when we start the prayer, dear Jesus, blah, 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 in Jesus name, amen. We forget that we are praying to Jesus and in Jesus name, uh, which is why sometimes people will consciously say in your name and, uh, and things like that. But when we pray to the father and in the name of the son, it makes a lot of sense. And then in the power of the spirit, um, there's a, a verse in Romans where it says when you're praying and you don't know what to say, the spirit will groan for you <clears throat> in groanings <clears throat> too deep for words. And so what this means is when we're praying, in the power of the Holy Spirit, our thoughts, our intentions, everything that we mean, we'll make it to the Lord. We'll make it to the Father. Uh, if we misspeak, it's not like uh, it's it's not like God is going to hear our misspoken words and give us what we misspoke. Like that's that's ludicrous. Um, in in fact, if we pray incorrectly, if we are in Christ, if we are one of His, if we are a a regenerate born again believer and we pray incorrectly we we don't have magic words we don't believe in a works based religion where if we mess up oh well I don't have to honor that prayer because you you screwed it up no that, that's not how god works if we say something wrong or if we don't know what to say the spirit intercedes on our behalf he will he will he will pray for us in in groanings too deep for words that's what we've been told. And so when we pray, again, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and in the power of the Spirit. Uh, and 
I, I mentioned that there's a, appropriate times to pray for the Son. There's appropriate times to, to pray to the Spirit. Um, we aren't going to thank the Father for dying on the cross for us, for example. You know, we're not going to. Um, we're we're not going to. Um, that's 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 a big one. I don't want to sit here and just think of a bunch of examples, but we can't. We can thank Jesus for coming to Earth and dying on the cross for our sins. We can thank the Father for sending the Son to die on, on the cross. We can thank the Father or the Son for spent, for sending the Spirit because we believe that both the Father and the Son sent the Spirit. So there are things that we can pray for and, and to uh, when we figure out the, the second and third person of the Trinity. Uh, but we need to be careful with our words. We need to make sure that, that as we get to know God and we get to know the Trinity more, that we are thanking the Father for the work the Father has done. We are thanking the Son for the work the Son has done. We are thanking the Spirit for the work the Spirit has done because they do different works. They have different roles. They, uh, they are kind of responsible for different parts of, of our Christian life. And, and it is important that we get to know that because the Father and the Son and the Spirit, that, that God, the triune God, wants us to know him, wants us to call him by the right name, wants us to have that intimate relationship with him that comes from us knowing him. Um, you know, if, if you call, if you went up to, to Mr. Lewis and called him Clive, he would probably acknowledge you. He would probably introduce himself to you. And if he liked you, he'd probably say, you know, call me Jack. And the more you got to know him, the more you know, it's Jack Lewis. And the same thing goes with God. Now, I want to take this and kind of look at a, an example of something. Um, and I'm going to pick one of my old-time favorite songs, if you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go with Oceans by Hillsong United. Oceans is, it was a very, very popular song. For a, for a long time, it, was, it held the record for being in the number one spot on the Christian Billboard charts. And right now, it's still, I think, the second longest running song on the Christian Billboard charts um, with You Say uh, blowing it out of the water, like absolutely just tanked it out of the water. But Oceans, well, it's the, I, I can say confidently, it is the longest running worship song that was on number one on the Billboard charts. And it was a very powerful song. Musically, it was very driven. It was very beautifully done, um, well-produced song, and was very, very popular. And... Um, so one of the things it did in the song is in the verses and in the chorus, it only said the word you, you call me out upon the waters. You know, you do this, you do that. And I respond, you do this, you do that. And I respond. And when you're listening to it, it sounds very much like they're talking to Jesus. You know, you call me out upon the water. That sounds very reminiscent of when Jesus called Peter on the water, it's as if I'm putting myself in Peter's shoes and reliving Peter's, uh, Peter's journey. It's called personification. It is a poetic device that is used regularly. Uh, it's, it's one that's when well done, it, it is very effective. So if I am thinking about Peter in the boat, showing his faith and walking on the water, 
you know, that's a nice moment. It's a nice moment I would like to live in, you know, for a little bit. And so you call me out upon the water to the great unknown. You, you do this, and so I am following you. And then it gets to the, the bridge, and it switches to spirit lead me where my feet can never wander, uh, where my faith can be made stronger. And so it has this abrupt shift from you, presumably Christ, to spirit. And it's kind of strange. It's a kind of a strange jump, and you, you probably aren't thinking about it in the moment. Either you're caught up in it or you've heard the song so much that you're just, you know, not paying attention anymore. But it's, it's a really subtle shift, and I don't know if it was even an intentional shift. Um, I, I would almost wager it wasn't. Uh, I, I do give songwriters the benefit of a doubt that they probably um, paid a whole lot of attention to every word that they were using. However, if they don't have an accurate view of the Holy Spirit or the Trinity, then they may, it's easier to misspeak. And, and I'll say this as when I was first writing music, uh, so my first batch of songs ever, I had some of this in mind. You know, I, I, I felt like I knew the Spirit well and the, the Trinity well and Jesus well. I, I felt like I knew that. But I still had some, some errors. And I've in a lot of those songs, I went back and I fixed it once I learned uh, about those errors. But that was also when I was a brand new songwriter. And so the band Hillsong United came out around, um, around 2001, give or take a few years. And Hillsong as an entity had been out for quite a bit longer. Their kind of their biggest beginning songs came out mid nineties. So if you think mid nineties to mid two thousands, it's 10 years. So Hillsong has been around probably for longer than 10 years. Um, at the time that Hillsong United came out as their own band. And then we're talking about 10 years after that was 20, uh, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2013, I believe it was when oceans became a song. And, um, and that's when it, I think December of 2013 is when it hit the charts in the number one spot. So we're talking, this band has been writing music for uh, 10 years, give or take, with its parent ministry being around at least 10, maybe 15 to 20 years longer than that. So we're, we're talking, you know, these should be veteran songwriters. These should be people that have a very, very close relationship with God. I'm not saying that they don't, but I'm saying that they should. Uh, if they've been doing nothing but writing worship music for close to 30 years uh, as, as a ministry as a whole, then they should, I would think that their leadership would have very close relationship with God and would know him very well. And you would think that that would mean they know what God wants when they're calling him spirit or you or son or father. But this isn't even their only song where they do this. I'd say another big one, if you go and read the words to This I Believe, which is a song about the Apostles' Creed, which the Apostles' Creed walks through a Trinitarian, this is what I believe in. And this song is all over the place. They're referring to you, to father, to son, to church, to 
spirit probably in there somewhere. They accidentally say that that God the Father impregnated um, Mary, which is a really weird statement since the Bible doesn't support that. Uh, the, the work of the Spirit conceived Christ. But that does not mean that the Father conceived Christ. That, that kind of adds some implications that didn't happen. Um, and so when I see things like this in music, especially from veteran bands, where they are confusing the persons of the Trinity, it makes me think that they don't know God as well as they say they do. And this is me casting judgment. I, I'm, I'm saying that uh, boldly, that I am casting judgment on that because I believe that's what we, we should do. When we see something that makes us go, hmm, we should question things like, you know, first of all, how should it be written? Second of all, why aren't they writing it that way? And if we don't think that they are writing music according to the scripture, then why are we singing music that they're writing? If we don't think that they can get something like this correct, which this is a complicated doctrine, but if they've been doing this for 30 years, shouldn't they have a better handle on some more complicated doctrine? Um, you know, I'm 36, so I've not been around, you know, that long comparatively, you know, Hillsong is 30 years old. You may be, maybe close to 36 years old. I'm not sure when they were founded. Um, but, and I'm not saying that I have everything correct, but I've felt like I've known this for a while. So it's, it's, it's tricky. And, uh, I'm learning new things every day and I'm applying that to my discernment every day. But if me, who's a little Joe Bumpkin from Arkansas, can get this right, shouldn't a conglomerate that's been around writing worship music, worship music for a church to sing, putting the words in the mouths of the church to praise God with, shouldn't they get this right? And so that's, that's kind of what I have today. And, and I hope that I'm not coming off as arrogant. I don't mean to come off as arrogant. Uh, I... I don't see myself as an expert on this at all. But if, th if this is leaving me scratching my head, I feel like this should be leaving more people scratching their head. And if it doesn't, that leaves me scratching my head even more. So read the words to songs that you're singing. Look for Trinitarian language and compare what the song is saying in the Trinitarian language to what the scripture says. And if you don't feel like you have a firm grasp on the Trinity, do research into it. Learn more. That's what God wants. So uh, I, I hope that this has been helpful. And uh, and I'm actually we're going to talk more about the Trinity in our next episode, specifically the third person of the Trinity. And so I, I kind of wanted to get this out there uh, ahead of that curve. But I, I, again, I hope that this has been helpful. And please, if you uh, if you have any questions, any concerns, uh, please email me at there is at bombcast.com. Also, if you're, if you have some serious theological questions, please go, go talk to your pastor. If you want to learn more about the Trinity, uh, go talk to your pastor. He's the first person, uh, first line of defense in, in this case. So, um, uh, so please, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, I'm, 
I am recording this Monday after Easter, so uh, I hope that you had a good Easter, and uh, and remember that we celebrate Easter every Sunday. So next Sunday, uh, let me just say right now, Happy Easter. <laughs>